Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is making a pizza from scratch later today, Brand Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's it's not going to be completely from scratch yet. Uh, big shout out to my grandfather. He got me this book called The Pizza Bible. Um, and the Pizza Bible is is it's awesome. Trevor, you would love this book. There's all types of pizza you can make in there from deep dish to Neapolitan to New York style, whatever it is. Um, so uh, I am making a pizza today. I'm making my sauce from scratch today. So not everything is from scratch, but we're gonna get there one day. Uh, Trevor, you're you're a from scratch type of guy, aren't you? Um, I I try to be. I mean, my mom is an amazing cook. Um, so, you know, she, she definitely likes to make stuff from scratch. So I've, I've learned a few things here or there, you know, stuff like that. A couple recipes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you've picked up on a little bit. I remember in college, you used to make your, your pasta sauce from scratch, right? Yep. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's really simple to, to make spaghetti sauce, but yeah, I didn't use like canned sauce. Yeah. Well, this, this podcast episode and us forever will be from scratch as we always do this from scratch we're sadly without the third member of our podcast our co-host ben o'brien he'll be dearly missed um but we will move forward uh without him for today i know he's here in spirit um let's get right into it it's gonna be a heavy basketball episode today as we uh don't have any football going on right now yes the combines this weekend i will have a lot more to say about the draft when we get a little bit closer um, as we all know on this podcast i am in love with the draft it's it's one of the greatest days of the year that first round um, but let's let's start off here with some college basketball. A um, little bit somber news to start on. We have Coach K's last game. I, Trevor, I don't know how happy or sad you are about this. I love Coach K. I mean, he's one of the best coaches ever. It's sad to see that you know he's he's putting his uh, clipboard up. Uh, you know, and it was his final time coaching. It was super cool to see all the players there uh, welcoming him out. Um, but North Carolina kind of ruined the show a little bit, winning ninety four eighty one. Uh, you know, Paul Ventura did what he could, uh, but wasn't quite enough. It didn't even seem like they played, like, an atrocious game. Uh, they shot 50% from the floor, 37% from three. It just seemed like North Carolina was the better team. Uh, not even that Duke had an off game. But why don't you give some of your thoughts in this game, Trevor? Yeah, so really, like, so first, outside of the game, right, this was Coach K's final home game in Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, sold out, obviously. They kept... They kept, like, uh, you know, talking about how, like, the ticket prices, this is, like, one of the highest uh, ticket prices, um, you know, high, like, to get the average, I think, ticket price was higher than all of the Super Bowls except, like, like three or four of them or something. I, I kept seeing stats yeah. like that. And they kept on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, on the broadcast itself, they were talking about, like, this is the highest ticket price, this is the average ticket price, stuff like that. So very hard to get to this game. Um and, uh, you know, you had all the players there, J.J. Reddick, Jay Williams, Grant Hill, you know, all of the Duke legends. I think Christian Leitner was there, I think. Um, so, yeah, yeah, he was. So all of the, you know, Duke legends were there for the final game. They had two, not one, but they had two ceremonies for Coach K. They had a pregame ceremony and a postgame ceremony for Coach K. Um, so it was all about this. And the broadcast, the ESPN broadcast made such a huge deal. And I know that there is a pretty strong contingent of people, whether they are North Carolina fans or they just like don't really like Duke, or I think just in general, people that I think understandably so find that, you know, this is all of this Coach K farewell stuff is kind of annoying. Um, They hated this. They hated how this broadcast was set up. They had like the multiple boxes. They had the game on the broadcast 
And then they had, like, for most of the game, they had, like, a, a box that was just, like, on Coach K. And then they even would bring up this box at certain times that had, like, all of the former players. They all had, like, these white long sleeve shirts on, like, Jay Williams, Jay Billis, like, all these guys. Well, Jay Billis was on the, you know, he was doing the, the media stuff. But Jay Williams, JJ, all those guys, they were in the stands. And they all had, like, these white long sleeves with, like, a K. It was just, like, a K logo on the middle in the middle of the shirt and they were there would even be a box of them um you know kind of showing their reactions and stuff throughout the game so it was definitely a lot it was definitely a large spectacle um for me i don't know i'm i'm like neutral in this thing um i definitely have a lot of respect for coach k and what he has built at duke i mean five national titles um you know he he's got to be if not the best college basketball coach of all time he's got to be like top 2 top 3 uh certainly in the mix there and of my lifetime, uh, I think he's got to be the best college basketball coach of my lifetime. I mean, I mean, he's certainly like the first guy I think of when I think of like, I'm watching college basketball, who are the most prominent figures in the college basketball sphere? Like, I think Coach K is number one. If, if we're just talking like, of all of the prominent figures in college basketball, like in the NBA, LeBron's number one. In the NFL, Tom Brady's number one. College football, I, probably Nick Saban, I guess. In college basketball, it's Coach K. So, of course. you know, definitely a lot of respect there. But at the same time, I get how, you know, the spectacle and all this stuff, like it's, it, you know, it might be a little too much. So I, I get that sentiment from the other people as well. As far as the game itself, I mean, for Duke to give up 94 points, I mean, the final score of this game, UNC 94, Duke 81. For Duke to give up 94 points to a North Carolina team that I don't think had a quad one win all season. Like they played a very weak schedule, obviously the ACC has been a pretty weak conference this year compared to what they've been in past mm -hmm. years. So North Carolina, they're a team that's on the bubble. You can look at their record. I think they're now 23-8. and eight. They have a pretty decent conference record. Like, they're a fine team, but they have no, like, great wins before before last night, really. So they were on the bubble. And now with this one over Duke, um, this was huge for Carolina. They're solidified in the tournament regardless of what happens next. Um, obviously, for Hubert Davis, all the players, they had a big celebration. And, and what a moment for them, kind of ruining uh, this moment for Coach K. And here's my main takeaway from this whole game, this whole situation, <laughs> is that I already believe that Duke and North Carolina was the best rivalry in sports. This North Carolina win helps the rivalry, in my opinion. It helps uh, the case for the rivalry to be the best rivalry in sports because, you know, Duke for the last however many, well, North Carolina did win a championship in 2017, I guess. So it's not that, it hasn't been that long. But Duke has had the upper hand now here for a couple years. They've been the better team. Uh, obviously, they get the better recruits. They have, you know, they've coached K and they have this, all, all, all this money. Like, they have a better, I think, they're they're more uh, prominent than North Carolina is. So for North Carolina to come in and ruin this, uh, this whole celebration, I think that's good for the rivalry. So in that sense, I like it. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is in the postgame speech, I just wanted to point this out. Um, which Coach K, and he visibly upset, obviously. They, they just lost the game. Um, but he gets up there uh, to speak to the fans and, you know, say thank you, all that stuff. But then he also makes the point to say, like, that, like, he's sorry about this afternoon. And he says, like, today was unacceptable. And, and the crowd, like, starts, like, roaring. And then he, like, asks them to be quiet. Um, it, it was, it was weird. That. <laughs> it was kind of weird, but also, like, I kind of like that. I kind of like I that. I also do too. I was going to make that point. Yeah. I was really going to make the point. I kind of like that Coach K is like, no, it's unacceptable. 
you know, the season's been a success, but this game was unacceptable. Um, so, you know, they have large aspirations to win the title. And before this game, I was thinking about, like, for me, it's like you have Gonzaga, you have Arizona, you have Duke. Maybe you can even throw in, like, a Kansas or a Baylor, you know, something like that. But for the most part, Or like, Michigan. <laughs> def- no, not Michigan. <laughs> Definitely not Michigan. <laughs> but those are kind of the teams that I'm cons- that I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking about my bracket. Like, these are one of the teams I'm probably going to pick to win the title. And I don't know. It, I don't know what to think of this loss because it's like, do you just throw this one out, like, with everything that happened? Do you throw it out? How much does it matter? Are we concerned about Duke's defense? It's, it's definitely interesting, but... Um, you know, obviously, uh, a college basketball legend in Coach K, it'll definitely be weird, um, you know, watching Duke play and, and him not being there next year, I think. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting, too, because this game, it's not even like Duke played poorly. They just I mean, couldn't defend. Uh, well, they did play. I mean, they played poorly on defense. They did play poorly. But, but well, yeah. I mean, from like a shooting performance, I mean, they shot almost fifty yeah. percent. They shot better than North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they shot seventy five from the line. Yeah, almost fifty percent from the yeah. field. Like it's. It's it's just a weird game, one of those weird games. Mm-hmm. Let's keep on moving on, though. Let's go recap another game in the Big Ten. Uh, Purdue-Wisconsin, which happened uh, earlier this week. Wisconsin took the win uh, over Purdue 70-67. to Trevor, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so uh, big game that I wanted to point out, obviously, Purdue and Wisconsin. Wisconsin gets the win here, 70-67, to uh, clinching at least a share of the Big Ten title uh, for Wisconsin. And this was a huge game. You know, they're both top 10 teams, the two best teams in the Big Ten. They both have, uh, you know, they both have really great draft prospects. Wisconsin as Johnny Davis and Purdue as Jaden Ivey. At times, they were guarding each other, you know, near the end of the game and stuff like that. So really interesting game. Um, you know, I, I think that both of these teams have chances to, to make runs in the tournament, but I don't, I don't know if the Big Ten has any team that again, when I was mentioning like my title contenders, I didn't mention any team from the Big Ten because I don't know if any of these teams are are well rounded enough to do so. Um, I'm, I wouldn't completely rule out these teams, but I'm I'm not considering them in that like tier one, that top tier. But they are very solid. Um, Johnny Davis in this game, he had 16 points, eight rebounds. Um, for me, with with Johnny Davis, he's not like this super athlete. You know, he he's not. Like, Jaden Ivey, he's very athletic. He has the ability to just blow by people, get to the basket. Johnny Davis is is different. He kind of plays with his own pace, um, you know, and he's also a winner. Like, Johnny Davis, I mean, Wisconsin was picked, I think, like, 10th in the Big Ten this year. And the fact that they've been transformed with Johnny Davis leading the way, you know, as a sophomore guard, that says something. And in this game, you know, he he played pretty good defense on Jaden Ivey, on some other guys uh, for Purdue. And I think his two-way ability is really what stands out. And he just... He's a very solid player. Um, he delivers in the biggest moments. Even though he didn't have the best game on paper, um, he did enough to help Wisconsin win. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Jaden Ivey's uh, side, you know, you, you see the bursts. You see the, the flashes from him for sure. You know, occasionally he'll get the John Morant comparisons, which th- that's like I started thinking of that earlier in the season. Now, John Morant, it, like he's just on a completely different level. So I think it's a little bit unfair maybe to compare him to John Morant because John Moran is very special, but Jaden Ivey, very impressive. He had 22 points in this game, uh, five assists, five rebounds. Um, at times, I don't love the shot selection. You know, there are times where he gets a little impatient, pulls up for threes here or there. Don't always love it. Um, I think his playmaking uh, needs some work, but, it, it you know, it's gotten a little bit better, but he definitely has the scoring ability, getting to the basket for sure. 
Um, and I think both of these guys are probably like top six, top seven picks in the NBA draft. So, Trevor, here's my question for you. So, you know, I guess still has to do with the game, but a little bit off course. Uh, Wisconsin fans stormed the court after this win, 10 over 8. They did clinch the title. Uh, so this is more so a question to uh, to our co-host Ben and you, I guess. Is that court storming appropriate? Uh, based on based on what I typically would would allow, no, because it's <laughs> they beat the eighth ranked team. They're the tenth ranked team. So so overall, no, I don't think it's an appropriate court storming. Now you could argue, well, they did clinch a share of the the Big Ten title. They exactly, were, it's they a hard were, one. It, it is a tough one. It, it's a big one. When you when you clinch the Big Ten title, at least a share, that's pretty big, right? And they were picked, mm-hmm. again, like 10th in the preseason. But I still say no because you're both top, top 10 teams. If you, you know, if you think you're a great team, you think you have a chance of winning the title, you know, Wisconsin has bigger goals than just a share of the Big Ten. So for me, I would say no, but I wouldn't be completely appalled um, for people that would argue the other way, I guess. Yeah, um, I am. I hate Wisconsin now, uh, based off of events that have happened this year. Um, but <laughs> yeah. that's besides the point. Let's move on to uh, fin- you know wrapping up this topic today. Talk a little bit about Camp Week. We already have one team that has punched their ticket to the tournament. Um, Murray State, who won the Ohio Valley. I think it was last night. Right, Trevor? Yep. I believe it was. Yeah, last night. Who was the I, I, uh, Morehead State? Three? Yep. The three seed Morehead State. Yeah, um, seventy-one sixty-seven clinched that game. Uh, but Trevor, a couple comments on Camp Week before we move on. Yeah, so I'll start with the Murray State game. I mean, because I did watch a little bit of that last night. I was hoping that Moorhead would win because I wanted both of these teams to be in the tournament. Murray State, they're they're ranked in the top twenty five. They're ranked twenty second. Uh, they now have a thirty and two record. They're undefeated in their conference. I just wanted to see Moorhead State get in, and I knew that Murray State was in regardless. Um, but that did not happen. Murray State won this game seventy one sixty seven. Um, you know, Moorhead, they have a player, uh, Janai Broom, who last year, when Moorhead State made the tournament, they played West Virginia and lost in the first round of the tournament. I think that was a 3-14 matchup, I want to say. Um, I could be wrong, but I think that's what it was. And Janai Broom really stood out to me when I was watching that tournament game last year against West Virginia. And I was like, man, this this guy, he's a true freshman. Um, he He's playing, like, big-time minutes, and he's playing very well. I mean, he's their best player against West Virginia, who had you know had still had Derek Culver has this solid team Miles McBride, right like potential NBA prospects. It's like man, Janai Broom maybe maybe he could be like a like a standout prospect here. Maybe not this year, but you know if he gets better next year and can get back to the tournament, maybe he can make a case for like maybe this guy's an NBA player. And Janai Broom in this game, you know they came very close. He had thirty two points, eight rebounds, thirteen twenty shooting, just an, an insane game. He had almost half of his team's points, but. The problem is he couldn't get enough help from his teammates. They couldn't overcome uh, the dominant team that Murray State has become. So it's kind of unfortunate, um, you know, that that he's not going to be able to in the tournament and Moorhead's not going to be able be able to be in the tournament. But Murray State's a really good team. Um, I think of their two losses, I think one of them is to Auburn, and uh, I don't know who the other one is. But Murray State's a very solid team. Um, definitely a team to watch out for. Uh, come tournament time we have some other tournament uh we have a couple title games today we have the big south title uh today i think between winthrop and longwood uh just one to look out for there and then the missouri valley uh we got the rematch loyola chicago and drake that was the title game last year 
and that is the title game again this year. You know, I don't, I don't know if either of those teams are as good as they were last year necessarily, but I think that'll be, um, you know, another really good matchup. And just so many, I mean, Champ Week, it's, you know, again, like it's not, it's not quite as good as like obviously the first week of the tournament. That's like one of my favorite weeks of the year, favorite days of the year is that Thursday. But Champ Week mm-hmm. is one of the best weeks in sports, in my opinion. It's one of my favorites. And I love watching all of the conference tournaments. That's when I really lock in and watch a lot of these mid-major teams. So I'm very excited for this week. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very excited week. I, I'm excited myself. Uh, let's move on, though, here to randomly ranked. Yes, we're doing randomly ranked, even without Ben here. Um, and we have an interesting one today. It is going to be the best store-bought cookies. Um, so, Trevor, I'll go first because I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Um, I'll, let's get mine out of the way. Um, I have two honorable mentions. My first honorable mention's got to be Nutter Butters. Uh, Nutter Butters are just classics. They're just good. Uh, they lack chocolate, which hurts them. Um, and that the other one that I have here also lacks chocolate, which hurts it. But this, these are super honorable mention. Like, like super like underrated is the Bizkoff uh, biscuit, like uh, the biscotti. Oh, those things are so good. They used to be on like airplanes. I used to love getting those and eating those. But top three here. Let's go to the top three. Number three, I gotta go with the Keebler Fudge Stripes. My my dad loves these. Whenever we get them, I mean, they're eaten so quickly. They're just so delicious. They have the key chocolate ingredient. Number two is gonna be Pepperidge Farm Milano's, uh, specifically the double chocolate ones. I mean, the more chocolate, the better. But any Milano is pretty good as long as it doesn't have any fruit in it. Fruit shouldn't be in any desserts. And number one is the best store-bought cookie you could possibly get is Oreos. Oreos are just so good. The cream inside is amazing. The chocolatey cookie is wonderful. You can't get much better than Oreos, specifically the most stuffed Oreos. Ben knows what I'm talking about with those. We used to get those in college. Those things are amazing. So, Trevor, I'm excited to hear your top three favorite store-bought cookies. Or top three favorite store-bought cookies. Yeah, so we, we have a couple similarities here. Uh, number three. Really? Um, I'm starting off with the Keebler Fudge Stripes. Um Really, really used to love these uh, cookies growing up as a kid. Um, and there, you'll see a theme in my top three. All three, which I guess I guess maybe this isn't unique because a ton of cookies you can dip in milk. But I was going to say all three of these cookies that I'm going to name are, are all dippers. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are all great for dipping in milk. So that's my number three. Number two, I'm going with Oreos. Um, they're just solid. They're the classic. And in, in this ranker that we had, they're number one. It's understandably so. They're the most popular. Uh, Oreos are number two. Very good. Uh, not not good for you at all in any sense, but very good uh, when they are in, in your mouth. <laughs> They're great. Um, number one, though, number one, though, I'm going with the Keebler M&M cookies. I love oh, wow. the Keebler M&M cookies, the deluxe rainbow. These are great. Um, just in general, I love M&M cookies. I think they're great with milk. And I don't know. It, it For some reason, it seems like the cookie tastes better. When it has M&M's, I don't know, I don't know. It just seems like the cookie with the M&M's tastes so good. So, I don't know, that's my number one. I, I really love those cookies. Again, all three of these, great with milk. Um, and yeah, so, a lot, a lot of good options, but uh, those are my three. I, I actually really like your three, Trevor. Normally, I, I got some disagreements, some uh, things that upset me about it. But today, you locked it in, you gave us three good options. Let's move on to our final overlying topic of the day, which is going to be the NBA. We're going to start off with, uh, you know, I guess my favorite team is the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, LeBron, they are terrible. Uh, they're 28-35 and at the moment. Not a good record at all. 
Um, they are two and I think seven in their last nine games. Um, they have an off day today. They play again tomorrow. LeBron had to score 56 uh, for them to win yesterday, 124-116. It's been a rough season, Trevor. A rough, rough season. Um, why don't you give me some of your thoughts on the Lakers? Uh, yeah, so I don't even know where to start with this. I had I had something that I was that I had prepared on on I think it was Tuesday after one of their losses. Um, and since then, we've seen more more happen. Arguably, it got worse, but then LeBron had this amazing performance last night. So it's like I don't know. It's com- it's kind of complicated. I'm not really sure where to start necessarily on this, but I'm I'm just gonna start with this. So we we haven't talked about the Lakers a ton this season because they've been so bad, and they already get enough coverage. You know, they're they're on all these national TV games. Uh, you know, it's the Lakers and the Knicks. And it's like, man, can we just can we show some of these other teams like? Can we please, can we show the Memphis Grizzlies more often? Can we show my team, the Miami Heat, more often? Can we show the Chicago Bulls more often? Like, why are we showing these horrible teams when we have all these great teams that that play so well and don't get national TV games? But anyway, mo- moving forward from that, obviously the team construction is horrible. We've talked about that. Like, the fit doesn't make sense, right? W- Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis makes no sense. Never made sense. It wasn't a good fit. I still somehow thought it would work. I still thought they could win the West. I was obviously very wrong about that. They're not winning the West. They're not winning the West. And not, not only are they not winning the West, they're not winning a playoff series at all. And I'm not even sure. We'll, we'll see when Anthony Davis comes back. If he comes back, who knows? He might come back and get re-injured in the second quarter of the first game he comes back. I don't know, because he can't stay on the floor. Um, you know, on, on NBA, in t- on the TNT crew, they call him, what they call him, like, street clothes. And it's a very valid yeah. nickname. It, it's very valid because he can't stay on the court. It's just, it's ridiculous. Come on, Anthony Davis. Like, get healthy. Um, but but moving from that, so they're not going to win a playoff series. They might not get out of the play-in. That's a, that's a possibility. I would still predict that they'll probably get out of the play-in. They probably get the, the eight seed, I would guess. Um, but then once they get the eight seed, they're playing Phoenix, and Phoenix is going to beat them. Um, other than the fact that the team construction is horrible, they don't really have a lot of options. Like, obviously, they couldn't make a trade at the deadline because who are you going to trade? Like, okay, you can try to trade Westbrook, but who's going to take Westbrook? What, what are you going to try to trade him for John Wall? Why, why would you trade John Wall? John Wall, then you have two players that are, you know, with the street clothes nickname because Anthony Davis and John Wall both can't stay on the court. So that's, that's not a good mm-hmm. a decision to make. You can't do that. So it's like they have no trade options. And then outside of that, they have all these old guys. Taylor and Horton Tucker might be their only other trade asset. The next first-round pick I think they have that they can trade is like the 2027 first-round pick. So they're in a tough position right now. And LeBron, he's at four titles. He he would like to catch at least Kobe, if not Jordan, five, you know, five and six. He You know, he's still chasing that. Obviously, you know, there's this huge GOAT debate, you know. That we've talked about numerous times. I've talked about it. I've talked about it with other Chicago Bulls fans. Had a couple heated debates here and there. Um, but it's like, where does he go? Because I don't really see a path for this Lakers team. Because it's not only this year; it's like next year. I don't. I don't know how they. I don't know how they put the players around LeBron. I mean, he's going to be thirty-eight next year, to where they can win a title. It's just. It's looking very difficult. Um, now I got next. I got to go to um, Russell Westbrook who is one of my favorite players of all time to watch. I love him. I love him like a family member. But here's the thing, like... and he and, sucks. and you... <laughs> no, no, here's the thing. Because maybe, maybe you can... Maybe you have a family member. You don't, you know... I, maybe I have a family member that we could talk about. There are certain... 
people, so like say I have a cousin Donnie, right? I have a, I have a cousin Donnie. You know, I love I love Donnie. He's awesome. Like he's he's a fun time. You know, he's good to talk to. I, I love him. He's my cousin, right? But, but sometimes but Donnie burned the house down. <laughs> okay, that, that's not that's not exactly where I was going. <laughs> but, but but you might be at you might be at like a cookout, right? You're at a family cookout. Exactly. He burned with, it down with Donnie. And like, Donnie tried taking over the, the grilling station, so, and he also wanted to play the music. So I was going to say, like, Donnie eats the last wing, right? You want, you, want to, you want to get a chicken wing? Donnie eats the last chicken wing. Then five minutes later, Donnie spills his drink on you. And you're like, Donnie, what, what are you doing, man? Why are you spilling your drink on me? And it's like, and Donnie keeps doing all these things. And you're like, Donnie, I love you, but why do you keep... Like, why? Why can't you just... Why are you why hurting you me, this, Donnie? Right? Why are you hurting why me? Why are you hurting me? <laughs> so with Westbrook, it's like, uh, you know, why, why can't you change the way you play? Like, you know, I, I get it's frustrating. You're not the same athletically. You can't play quite to the same level as you used to be able to, but you got to change your role. You got to lock in on defense. You got to, you know, more off-ball movement. You got to make the cuts to the basket. You got to do these things. And sometimes he does do them, but it's like, then he resorts back to, oh, um, you know, I make this bad play late in the game or I, you know, I have a, I'm defending, you know, whoever, Jalen Brunson, and Jalen Brunson makes a cut for a wide open layup. And you see these plays and it's just like so frustrating. Like, come on, Donnie, come on, Westbrook. Like, I wish you could do better. Regardless, I still love him. I'll always love Westbrook because some of the years that, that I got to see him play, tw- I mean, 2017 watching him play, still one of the most incredible exciting players to watch that i've ever seen in my life his 2017 season and i always love him but i just wanted to say that it's it's frustrating and you know he he's he's obviously frustrated you see him in the post game press conferences and some of these reporters they ask dumb questions they just do like some of these reporters like it's oh like oh westbrook like you know you thought you would uh you know you you had these expectations and and now you're at this point like what are your thoughts and just like how is he supposed to answer like how is he supposed to answer that these reporters mm-hmm. just ask these dumb questions and he's clearly frustrated because he's not the same player he was. He's in a horrible situation and he can't, he can't get out of it. There's no way out right now. So yeah, he's I just want to point out, I will, I will forever now be calling Russell Westbrook Donnie. I mean, that's his name on this okay. podcast okay. and here on forward. He doesn't, he, he's, he's so bad and he deserves the name. Donnie. Well, he, but he need yeah, he, he, he's, he's 32, 33. He's not the same player, right? And Carmelo Anthony, who's on the same team, went through a very similar type of thing. Carmelo Anthony was not the same type of player. And then I think it was in OKC, maybe, when, when this was happening. And they wanted him to come off the bench. And there was a question. He was like, me, come off the bench. And then eventually he did start coming off the bench. He comes off the bench for the Lakers now. Right, but like it yeah. took time for him to get used to that. I think Westbrook is gonna have to get used to that because he's in this different stage of this career now, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not calling Carmelo uh, Donnie because Melo's actually good, even this late in his career, and Russ is not. Well, but let's no, <laughs> they're different. They're different players. But yeah, it's it's just it's, it's just okay. Important. Donnie Donnie had his moment many years ago. He he he's not now. He's Donnie. But let's let's move it on because uh, let's let's go to a team that actually did make a move and did something smart at the trade deadline, even when I thought it wasn't smart. Uh, which is the 76ers. We have Harden and Embiid. Uh, I mean, they look pretty good, don't they, Trevor? Oh, they look very good. I mean, they look they look devastating. Um, I, I've listened to a couple podcasts. One of my favorite basketball podcasts is is the Mismatch on the Ringer with uh, Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon. 
And so Chris Vernon, he's a big like Memphis Grizzlies guy. He's, you know, he does some stuff on the local radio. And I found it hilarious that when when Chris Vernon was was talking about like this whole Philadelphia 76ers thing, he thought it was appalling because uh <laughs> because James Harden in his last game in uh Brooklyn, I think he had like 4 points. He shot like just putrid in like a loss to the Sacramento Kings, who aren't a good team. Four points, he shot so bad. And then since he's joined Philly, I mean, the guy's averaging like, I don't know, like 28, 10, and 10 or something like that. Something insane. He's shooting efficiently. Yeah. He seems to have this new diet. Shooting efficiently. He's like, shooting 60% from the field yeah, and 50 from three. Exactly. So he's he's been insane. And it's just like, where was this James Harden in Brooklyn? It's like... <laughs> It's like clearly it James seems Harden like he didn't was, care about Brooklyn. He was he was dogging it in Brooklyn, and now he's like I don't know, got this new diet. He's in better shape, and he's you know a top ten, top twelve player in the NBA again. And it's just you know crazy to watch. It's kind of frustrating, you know, to watch him basically quit on Brooklyn and then come to Philly. Now he's this great player again, again. But uh, you know they they look really good and they're real title contenders. I mean Philly with Embiid. Harden and one of my favorite players, obviously Tyrese Maxey. I've talked about him at nauseum. I love Tyrese Maxey, but they have this really great team now, and they could win the mm-hmm. title. They totally could. I mean, with with yeah. you know, health is always a big is always a big thing in the playoffs, and we know that Joel Embiid he's had some injury you know history near the playoffs. Harden, you know, he's not immune to that either. He's had some injury things happen, so that's a worry. But if they're all there, if they're all healthy. This is an incredible team. I mean, what Harden and Embiid can do in the pick and roll, space in the floor. They got Tyrese Maxey's another great playmaker scorer. I mean, Tobias Harris, you know, on certain nights can look awesome, right? So mm-hmm. they have a really good team. Um, you know, I, I think the minutes when Embiid's not there is when they could be in trouble because they don't have any, like, backup big. They don't really have someone yeah, that right. can play when Embiid's off the floor. But when he's on the floor, like, uh, they're they're just devastating. So uh, we'll we'll see what you know, happens going forward uh, with their team, uh, but they look very good. Well, let's move on to my personal second favorite player in the NBA. This man is younger than me uh, by about a year, uh, and his last four games he scored 25, 38, 52, and 46, and that's John Morant. Uh, Trevor, John Morant is just a monster. Yeah, he, <laughs> I mean, to say the least, right, like John Morant, pretty clearly is the most entertaining player in the NBA. I think he's the most entertaining player to watch in professional sports right now. Um, he's, he's just incredible. The way he can attack the basket, um, it almost makes you nervous because you, you're like, uh, he's, you know, he's so athletic, he can jump so high. It's like, please don't land the wrong way. Please don't you know, get hurt. Like, uh, I want to see you keep playing. I want to see you play in the playoffs at the highest level. Um, and this leap that he's taken, which... You know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I kind of expected this leap from John. Maybe not to this extent, but I was saying in the preseason, like, man, John Morant, like, we saw a couple flashes in the playoffs. He's going to take a huge step forward. And, I mean, yeah, to say the least, he's done that. He's been incredible. He's a top five, I think. I think in the MVP race, he's probably top five. He's, like, fourth or fifth, him and DeRozan, behind that top three of Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid. But he's been awesome. Uh, the Grizzlies have now taken over the two seed. They just passed Golden State yesterday. Um, so they are now in the two seed. And John Morant, I, I think it would take a lot for him to get MVP because of how good you know those other four guys have been. But I don't think it's completely out of the question. I mean, if Memphis continues to go on a run and he continues to have like these insane numbers, it's possible. 
Um, but for him in his third year to be this great already, it, it's just nuts. And, and John Morant is a guy that he's going to be, I, I think beyond just his ability on the basketball court, his popularity is, is unlike, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't see this that often. Like Steph Curry is kind of the last guy that had this huge like popularity bump. Right. And, you know, he's been number one in Jersey sales so many times. People come to watch Steph Curry play. Mm-hmm. They also come to watch Steph Curry warm up in the pregame. They come to watch him hour before the game. That type of thing, I think, is going to start, yeah. if it hasn't already started to happen, it's going to start happening with John Morant because he's one of the most popular players in the NBA already. So entertaining. And for the next 10 to 12 years, he's going to be, you know, one of the faces of the league and he's going to be maybe the most beloved player in the NBA. I agree. I agree completely. I'm going to leave John Morant's little segment here on this stat line against the Spurs uh, a week ago. 22 for 30. He had 50 points, 4 for 4 from 3. That's insane. That's just absolutely insane. Let's wrap it up here, though, Trevor. Who is the small baller player of the week? Yeah, the so a little little bias, maybe. Um, and and I, I was hesitant to do this, but I got to give it to uh, Tyler Hero. Boy Wonder. So Boy I thought Wonder it'd himself. be. Tyler Hero, I gotta give it to him. Uh, I, he's all but locked up the six man of the year, right? Uh, honestly, like he's he's gonna be the six man of the year. He's been awesome. He has scored twenty at least 20 points in like every game since the All-Star break. He's been incredible. And the Heat have been on a little bit of a tear here. They have, they did blow a lead against the Milwaukee Bucks. I was pretty upset about that. But other than that, they've looked very good. Um, and, I, and I hope he continues to play at this level. Because if he does, that's another really great playmaker um, and score that we have, especially uh, in late game situations, which is one of the things I worry about with Miami in, you know, last two minutes, three minutes of the game when the game is close, who are you giving the ball to? How are you getting a bucket? And, you know, now Tyler Hero seems to be another option uh, to give the ball to in moments like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Anything else you'd like to add before we kind of wrap up the episode here today? Definitely a little bit of a shorter one. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I've i been loving, obviously, all of the basketball, as you know. I've of been course. loving NBA. I've been loving college basketball. And, uh, you know, I think Selection Sunday is next Sunday. So we're really, I mean, college basketball, we're in, we're in the prime time now. It's March 6th. Uh, so I'm just excited for all of it. Yeah, we're, we're definitely in for a treat here with March Madness. But we'll wrap up the episode there for today. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. Of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star if you, if you enjoyed it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller or by clicking the link in the description so you can keep up to date when all of our podcast episodes go live. I'll be back next Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with another episode. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!